You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Right now, let's talk about the ladies. That's right, USA Soccer. Kicking off at 5 a.m. tomorrow, Sebastian Salazar. You've seen him all over ESPN. He's got his finger on the pulse of the Women's World Cup better than anyone. So we're thrilled to have him on the show. Sebastian, welcome in. How are you? Anita, great to be with you. Excited, but also a little bit nervous about tonight slash this morning's game. Uh, it is not by any means uh, a layup for the U.S. It's very much a daunting task going up against the Sweden side. Yeah, I'm, I I know. And again, Sebastian's been so kind. He's been on with me on my Bet Digital show uh, quite a few times and taking a look at what's going on with the Women's World Cup. And, and I've got the bracket up right now, and we'll, we'll do a deeper dive into that. But first things first, uh, USA, you said it. Prior to this whole dance starting, you said, whoa, you know, you might want to slow your roll when it comes to the Team USA. This isn't going to be in a walk in the park for them. And sure enough, it has not. Uh, they barely got out of their group. And unfortunately, because what was it, only five points that they were able to accumulate in their group, now they've got a very difficult matchup coming up at 5 a.m. tomorrow morning against Sweden. But, uh, you know, share with us, what do you feel has, has really been the issue for Team USA and why we haven't seen them be so dominant as we have in years past? Yeah, I mean, just to go back to kind of what I was talking about at the beginning of the tournament, there's two factors there, right? One is the macro, which is the rest of the world is getting better and better, and especially the countries that have traditionally produced soccer players best. And I'm talking about the, the powers of Europe, the Spains, the Germanys, the Frances, the England. They're now starting to invest in the women's game. So they're starting to produce better soccer players than we do over here. We still have a lot of very good athletes, and that helps us a lot. But uh, the technical ability of the players on the other side of the ocean is, is really getting better, kind of at a scary clip when you compare it to the American players. So um, that's the macro. And then the micro was that this team wasn't playing very well. And he, I talked about it on the betting show. Like There was very little data around this team that would make you feel good coming into this tournament. They won only two or six games at the last major international tournament. That was the Tokyo Olympics. And they haven't really played well since then. So when the tournament started off with a pretty easy win against Vietnam, it kind of felt like, okay, this is the first step in the right direction. But what we've seen since are two performances that confirm the worst of what we saw over the last two years, which is a team that not just fails to score, but fails to really dominate their opponents and create quality chances, and then also is vulnerable. At the end of that game against Portugal, they were inches away from losing and going out of the World Cup in the group phase. And that's the scary part. You know, it's not just that the U.S. isn't scoring. It's that when other teams have the ball, they can now hurt the American side in a way that four years ago, eight years ago, they couldn't. Um, I know Rose Lavelle is, is not going to be able to play tonight because of accumulation of, of yellow cards. How, how much of a hit is that going mm. to be for, for Team USA, or I should say tomorrow morning? Yeah, it's devastating. I mean, there's no other way to put it. So the big issue with the team is that they're not scoring, right? And beyond that, they're not really creating great quality chances. If you look at the statistics in terms of balls into the penalty area, shots on goal, they're not near the top uh, of the tournament. So it's, it's a real concern. And she, by a mile, is the player in the pool who's the best at creating chances for other players. 
so for her not to be available uh, is really problematic, especially if you watch the Netherlands game, which I think is the game that had the most viewership so far. She came on at halftime, and it was a huge difference. It was night and day. The first half, the U.S. were dominated by the Dutch. The second half was a totally different story. And I think most of that was down to Rose Lavelle. In fact, in that game, she was the only sub that the manager, Vlad Goenanofsky, made. So losing her is big. There are some other options. And I think to get back to the manager, it's kind of an, a pivotal moment for him. He needs to make drastic changes in the lineup. Roosevelt being out is going to force his hand. I would like to see a player uh, named Ashley Sanchez get some time, but there's other options. Crystal Dunn. There's a lot of players who have proven they can create with their club teams at the domestic level and I think are worthy of an opportunity now, now that Roosevelt isn't there. But it's down to the manager. He's really got to push some different buttons and make some big changes in this game because if if the U.S. plays like they did against Portugal or against Netherlands, against the Swedish side, uh, it's not going to be close. It's not just that the U.S. will go out. It's not going to be close. This Swedish team is really, really good. For my money, them and Japan have hit the highest notes so far in the tournament. So the U.S. really needs to see a drastic improvement in their performance, or it, it could be a, a, an ugly morning. So, so let me ask you, you know, again, women's USA soccer took a really big stand um, in positioning, positioning themselves and really fighting for equality when it comes to pay and, and whatnot and, and use the fact that they have just been so dominant uh, in this space for so long and, uh, and, and they get the viewership and, and, and they get, you know, obviously the fan base more so than the men's side of USA soccer. You know, how much of a hit do you feel that that narrative is going to take if they do lose to Sweden tomorrow morning, Sebastian? Yeah, I mean, I think if anybody wants to make a link between the performance of this year's national team at the World Cup and the argument for equal pay, I think, you know, they have their own agenda and, and you'd have to ask them what that agenda is. I think if you want to talk about kind of the pressure and, and how that might ride on this team, uh, this team's been through it. You know, 2019 was the moment. That was the pressure. That was when the team was demanding equal pay, when they were in a lawsuit with the Federation, when fans were chanting for equal pay from the fans at the World Cup in France. That's when the team had to deliver. That's when they did. That's when, you know, Megan Rapino and President Trump were having their kind of dramatic back and forth. That's when the team was under the most pressure. And they delivered then. And now they have the equal pay that they sought. Uh, with the Federation. So I think they've won that battle for them. I don't think there's anything left to prove there. I think, you know, the reality of it is, is that as the American women have shown an example and have been very, you know, demanding of, of not just sponsors, but the Federation and everybody else, other teams have as well. Other countries have stepped up and you're seeing that bring the level of competitiveness in this tournament to an all-time high, and that's why the U.S. is struggling, not because um, they have or don't have equal pay or are buckling under the pressure of demanding it. I think, you know, to make those ties is, to be honest, not, not ridiculous. So um, so let's let's take a look, again, going up against Sweden, uh, which now Sweden, uh, you've got the United States, they're favored to win at plus 125. Sweden is plus 240. Is that a surprise? For you, considering I mean, how we've we've seen Team USA play, it's a surprise for me, Sebastian. I have to be honest. I have. Are the odds makers watching this tournament? Mm-hmm. Uh, are they just looking at at the Wikipedia to say who's won the last few World Cups? It's it's mind blowing to me that based on the performances that we've seen from this U.S. team, 
that they would be favored against this Swedish team. And it's not just down to the struggles of the Americans. Again, this Swedish team has been very good. They conceded only one goal through the group phase. They were dominant against their competition. They smoked Italy, who was a team that a lot of people thought might make some noise in this tournament. They beat them very, very badly, 5 nothing. They do the things that advance you in tournament soccer well. So they're really good on set pieces, corner kicks, dead ball situations, something that the Americans have frankly struggled to defend over the last couple of years. So that's a really big concern. In fact, one of the top scorers in the tournament is a Swedish defender, Amanda Illestet. She's got a bunch of goals off, off set pieces. The other thing they do really, really well, and they've actually burned the Americans with this in the past, is they're very good at sneakily getting in behind. They've got a forward, Stina Blackstenius, who is, if not fast, quick, and smart. She times her runs well. And at the end of that game against Portugal, those chances that, that nearly knocked the U.S. out, those were pretty innocent balls from a team that hadn't really had much of the ball and hadn't really threatened the United States. And they created trouble. The Swedes are going to create more trouble. And when they create that trouble, they're going to be more lethal in finishing it off. So I think there's some, some really big matchup concerns here for the Americans. If there's one you know, area of hope, I think it is that this U.S. team has in the past performed poorly early in tournaments and kind of built up and gotten better throughout. The other thing is that Sweden, for the first time in like 20 years, has a different goalie. Hedvig Lindahl was their superstar goalie for a long time. They've now replaced her with a goalie who's good, but not nearly as experienced. So the Americans might be able to cause some trouble there. But listen, I'm really grasping at straws here. If I look at, at everything, including the recent history between these two teams, um, the Swedes should come out on top. They knocked the U.S. out of the, the Rio Olympics in 2016, and they crushed the U.S. at the Tokyo Olympics, 3 nothing in the group phase. So if there's any team that looks at this American team and says, uh, you know, they don't have, they don't have the, the fear factor they used to, it's definitely the Swedish side. Again, Sebastian Salazar joining us here on, on 98.7 ESPN. Before I let you go, let's look big picture. Just FYI, um, I, I hate to say it, but I'm actually I'm going to throw some coin on Sweden. I think Sweden wins and advances at plus 240. Again, that match, 5 a.m. tomorrow morning. You want to wake up really early. Highly recommend you do so. Uh, the winner of that goes up against Japan. I've already gone to the window. Japan 9-1 to uh, earlier this mm. week. To win this whole bad boy, of course, they beat Norway 3-1. Now they're plus 550. Spain has advanced as well. They're waiting for the winner of Netherlands and South Africa. So there's that. On the opposite side of the bracket, you've got Australia, Denmark, France, Morocco, England, Nigeria, uh, Colombia, and Jamaica. With that being said, how this bracket is, has, uh, has panned out, who do you have winning this whole thing, Sebastian? Yeah, you know, as I look at the at the bracket, I think there's there's kind of two there's two ways to approach it. For me, Japan, as I mentioned, and Sweden have hit the highest notes so far in the tournament, but the bracket doesn't favor them. You know, they should meet up in in, in the in the quarterfinals, and and I think it's tough to see um, it's tough to see the winner of that not getting through to the final and eventually winning, but. Um, but if you pick between those two teams and it's really tough, then you're out. I think that the teams that have the best draw are England and Spain. England has a really, really favorable path. So I think even though they're not as big of a value, they're a really safe bet to get to the final. Um, and I think Spain as well has a, has a very good chance. Even though they lost to Japan in the group phase 4 nothing, uh, I think a rematch would be very different in a knockout round game. So I, I, I do like Japan 
on that side of the bracket just because they're the best value between Spain, Japan, and Sweden. Uh, and then on the other side of the bracket, it's got to be England. They just have a really, really cushy draw um, with kind of their matchups uh, all the way through the semifinals and final. Anybody ever call you Bash, Sebastian? Uh, I've got it all, man. Sevi, Sev, Sevasi, Seabass, Bassy, Seabiscuit uh, at some time when I was a, a fast runner back in my college days. But no, Bash, never. But Anita, um, we can add it to the list for sure. All right, that's my that's that's special. That's the Anita special. Is is moving forward? I will call you Bash. Hey, uh, you rock as always. Love having you on my digital show. Um, you've been on point, and um, and, and we're, we're really blessed to spend some time with you this afternoon. Thank you so much. No problem, Anita. Thanks for having me. You got it. Have a great afternoon. All right. So I, listen, we've got you ready for. USA Soccer tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. We've got you ready for Jake Paul coming your way tonight. Probably that bout with all the the, uh, the card and, and all the hoopla and everything that goes on prior. And he's got to make sure he gives his, his brother Logan some time to make his way from his WWE fight to Dallas to help him walk out onto uh, in, into the ring so I want to say 10, 30, 11 o'clock for that bout. It's time to turn our attention. Let's talk some NFL. There's a great article out right now. Um, Dan Graziano uh, posted it in regard to um, overreaction to some of the, the narrative and the storylines out there in around the NFL. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Anita Marks with you on this Saturday afternoon here on 98.7 ESPN. Again, Dan Graziano is taking his tour around our wide, wide world of training camps. That's right. They're in full effect. By the way, we know the Jets, they lost to Cleveland 21-16 in that Hall of Fame game. Really, at the end of the day, does it really matter who wins or loses Uh, in a preseason game. For me, it does not. Um, More importantly, Zach Wilson, two for five uh, for 65 yards. Okay. I mean, granted, he's going up against, you know, uh, third and fourth stringers, but nonetheless. Uh, One thing that is evident and has been confirmed is that we are not going to see Aaron Rodgers play in one single preseason game. And I would imagine that that would be the case for a number of teams and a number of star players. Why? Well, now the thing is these joint practices. So the Jets have joint practices with the Bucks and Carolina. Now, this is where Rodgers is really going to get a lot of his work. This is where probably a lot of your starter, 
your your starting quarterbacks um, in in the starters, the studs in or across in around the the NFL are going to get the majority of their playing time. So here's my thing. Air that. There. We're out there. ESPN is out there. Diana, Diana Rossini is, is out at camp. She's torn around. Dan Graziano's out there torn around. Work out a deal with it. If that is going to be where these teams are going to get their players ready for the regular season, then those joint practices need to be televised. Not this other crap, right? Like, what we're seeing. I, I mean, it's just, I, I, I don't, I don't, that, that's what, it, that's what I would do. If I was a network, I would try to, I would try to work out something with the NFL where I could televise these, uh, these joint practices. And I, and, and I would imagine we tune into the combine, right? Big reason why there's really not a lot of anything else happening, but, but the, the combine coverage has a pretty substantial following. Wouldn't you rather watch a joint practice with the Bucks, where you are going to see Aaron Rodgers air it out and see what they're doing more so than these preseason games where now none of your big stars more than likely are going to play. What's the point in that? I don't, I don't, I don't quite understand. Um, but that's that's my two cents. Again, Dan Graziano, senior NFL national reporter, taking his tour around uh, a lot of camps. And here is his column, judging 10 overreactions of the 2023 NFL offseason. Number one, the Patriots will finish last in the AFC East for the first time since 2000. Dan writes, this is not an overreaction. Here's where I disagree with him. I just... And let me preface by saying I don't wish ill will on anyone, okay? On anyone. But I just find it really hard to believe that Tua is going to be able to avoid a concussion and stay healthy the entire season. I pray to God that he does. I just find it very hard to believe that he will. So with that being said, and no disrespect to Mike White, but Mike White is Mike White. Of course, we know him well here in New York as he was the backup quarterback for the Jets and started a few games last season, yada, yada, yada. So, um, and and I think some folks are, are sleeping on the Patriots. Number one, I, I think the addition of Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator is really going to help them out tremendously uh, and, and help Mac. I think Mac Jones is going to have a really, really good bounce back year with Bill O'Brien as his offensive coordinator. Um, and their defense is is very solid, and I think sometimes people forget that Bill Belichick is the head coach because uh, a lot of people feel that that Bill would be nothing if it wasn't for Tom Brady. Um, so I think with the fact that the Patriots have been struggling since Tom Brady left, I think people are underestimating how good of a coach uh, Bill Bel- Belichick is. So with 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 those reasons. I disagree. I think the Patriots finished third in the division. Um, and again, I, I, I just, I've got some concerns that the Dolphins are going to have a, like a legit starting quarterback for all 17 games. Uh, number two, Orlando Brown signing finally fixes the Bengals protection issues. 
Dan Graziano says this is not an overreaction. Uh, I agree with him. Um, you know, you've you've got <laughs> you've got Joe Burrow who's been sacked quite a bit. Um, in fact, 121 times over the last two seasons. Can you imagine that? Joe Burrow's been sacked 121 times over the last two seasons. And here we are, even with that number of sacks, we're still sitting here and talking about him potentially winning the MVP this year. And what a phenomenal quarterback he's been for the Bengals. And, oh, by the way, he's been sacked 121 times. That's just, it's just ridiculous. So, um... I'm a big fan of Orlando Brown Jr. I, I knew his father, Zeus. I worked with his father, Zeus, when I was in Baltimore. Uh, and I think he's going to help that offensive line tremendously. Um, for the Jets, Aaron Rodgers makes the Jets a legit Super Bowl contender. Dan Graziano writes, overreaction. Not. Not. Not, not. Not, not an overreaction. Exactly. Um, I'll read his his column in his write-up in regard to that when we get back. Also, Cynthia Freeland is going to join us next. We'll talk some NFL right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Cynthia, uh, so what, what camps have you been to? Where are you headed? Give us the, uh, the, uh, the, the lowdown. Camp and preseason schedule includes Vegas, uh, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and Chicago. Ooh, I'm I'm intrigued with Pittsburgh. I think folks are sleeping on Pittsburgh. I love probably one of my favorite win total overs, um, Mm -hmm. which you can get at seven and a half. Is is the Pittsburgh Steelers this season? So I do love that. All right. uh, So really quick, Dan Graziano has an article out right now. Um, overreaction or no, not overreaction to, to, to some of the storylines out there. And so Aaron Rodgers makes the Jets a legit Super Bowl contender. His verdict is overreaction. And I'm just going to read his snippet. The Jets young core is talented and exciting, but it's also very young. It's easy to take Tom Brady Bucks comparison and say Rodgers is the experienced veteran who can help teach the youth how to win. Rodgers hasn't exactly been a postseason superstar recently with the Packers. He turns 40 in December, pulled a calf muscle on the first day of minicamp. 
um, yada, yada, yada. Attitude-wise, everything has been absolutely great so far, but will Rodgers be able to maintain patience with his young supporting cast if things go poorly? Uh, hey, anything is possible. It's just I think it's very wide range of potential outcomes for the Jets team, and I'm not ready to appoint them as challengers to the Chiefs in early August. Also, just heads up, as Harvey, our producer, just said to me, apparently uh, Aaron's foot was stepped on at camp today, and but but Harvey, no injury, right? Just like, ooh, scared. No, he was able to walk off on his own power back to the huddle, so everything's all good. But you know, you, you can't you can't touch the almighty Aaron Rodgers, as they say. There you go. So, Cynthia, do you agree with Dan in regard to his assessment that it is an overreaction to think that the Jets are a legit Super Bowl contender? I mean, the re- the only reason that I would say, I mean, Dan Graziano out there with the, those are some, some strong words, Dan. But, uh, but I, look, the hard part about the AFC in general is it is a gauntlet from top to bottom. I mean, I even think it's hard to, like, I don't feel good, like, in my gut, even thinking about, like, people who've been to the Super Bowl recently, like, do the Bengals get back? Like, that seems very hard. So, it, while I don't, you know, I, I'm not as strong, I, I guess my, I guess my, my gut would tell me to just say overreaction from the standpoint of like, let's get to the postseason first because getting to the postseason versus surviving whatever happens in those playoffs are two completely different things. And I definitely think that the Jets are well positioned to be a playoff team. So let's just not put that pressure on. Like there is nothing but pressure on this team. So perhaps I'm responding to like the over kind of like this, like let them, figure their their way out right like this it's like let's not like put that we saw what happened to the bills last year when there was all that pressure on them like let's let's let them chill out a little bit um here's another one for you kellen moore will help justin herbert reach a new level dan says this is not an overreaction i agree with him i like kellen moore there with justin herbert especially now they get quentin johnston there now he's got three wide receivers that range anywhere between seven, six, six, two, and in six four. Uh, man, uh, I'd be salivating if I was a quarterback with that wide receiving core. Uh, you're there in Los Angeles. Uh, how much of a, how, how much effect do you think Kellen Moore is going to have on Justin Herbert this year? Well, can everyone stay healthy, please? Because I feel like August is the official month of thinking that the Chargers are going to make the Super Bowl every single year. And then what happens is we see a slew of really weird injuries. I really like Kellen Moore, and I really like Justin Herbert, and I really like, on paper, a lot about this team. But until I see them make it through September without crazy weird injuries, then I I just have a hard time anointing them and saying that Kellen Moore is going to be, like, the one thing that's different when, to me, the thing that's really the problem is they can't keep their best players on the field. Um, that definitely has been the issue. Here's another one for you, and this hits home, no pun intended. The Lions are a lock to win the NFC North. Dan feels that this is an overreaction. He said the Vikings are the defending division him. champs, having gone 13-4 and four last season before losing in the first round of the playoffs to the Giants. Uh, but they won a ridiculous 11-1 score games. Um but but you agree with him. You think it's an overreaction. You're not as, you're not sold on yeah. your Detroit Lions as the the rest I, of the world is. I am from Okemos, Michigan. 
I, in my lifetime, there has been exactly zero times that the Lions have won at the NFC North. And I'm not even, I mean, I'm old, but I'm not that old, right? But, like, you know, look, like, at the end of the day, I just think you've already seen some of the things that are, I'm going to say, weird. Like, you know, you, you, don't, you already don't have Jamison Williams for six games. You already have, like, some injuries, like, CJ, DJ. Like, we thought, like, all of these things that it's just very Lion of them to have something like that happen. Now, would I like it as a fan? Yeah. And, I mean, look, like, Barry Sanders meant a lot to me growing up, and, of course, I would love it. But I don't think that – I mean, look, like, I, I just got to give Kevin O'Connell a lot of credit for what he's done there. And while it seems bad without a Dalvin Cook in the mix, you have to remember, we don't know anything about Jordan Love. The, the Bears have made big strides, but I don't think they're there yet. And it doesn't – I don't believe they're one Dalvin Cook difference from not being the, the champions of the North and and – I don't think that makes a difference. I hear you. Um, I I do have them winning the division. Um, I, I'm not, you know, I, I'm I don't have a lot of conviction for it. Uh, <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> but, but I but I, I I I will go to the window and and lay some coin on that because I, they are a team. I love Dan Campbell. I, I love the whole storyline behind oh, I golf. Love all, let me be clear. I love it. But if, if you really want to be a Lions fan, you also have to hate it. You have to, get, like, you have to embody that dichotomy that is being a Lions fan, like loving and hating and understanding that, like, they're going to break your damn heart every year. Um, here's another one for you. The Jag season will be a disappointment if they don't win the AFC South. Dan says this is not an overreaction. I agree with him. For, 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 me, for, me, for me, it's the, like, the, the they ha- like that division is so like they have to win. I I think it would be a huge disappointment if they don't win the AFC South. Who do you have winning the AFC South? I, it's not. The, I mean, look, I do have them winning, but you have to remember, like, there's something about Mike Vrabel that makes him win games with like you know some. He's like the MacGyver of coaching. Like there, you know, and now that he you have he has a better O line and he has D Hop and potentially more, I mean, it seems like they're healthy on defense. I remember him, you know, last year winning some games with, like, literally some chewing gum and, like, a, a, a paper clip. Like, you were like, you have no business winning this, and they figure it out. So that division's just messy. I don't necessarily – and they all beat each other up every single time. It's always weird how many times that division splits. So the reality is, is you're right, but I don't know if it'll be this massive disappointment because you have to remember their offense is good, but there's a lot of questions on that Jags defense still, including last year's first-round pick, who was not able to generate a ton of pressure. So it's, it's not going to be their offense's fault. I think they're going to have an awesome offense, and I think Trevor Lawrence is going to take this massive step forward. But I still have some questions on defense. Again, Cynthia Freeland joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Um, always love talking fantasy with your girlfriend. Uh, so I'd like to pick your brain on some some players uh, before we let you go. Let's start with the quarterback position. You know, is it? Are, do you still? So so let me rewind. As you know, I play in twelve leagues. Yours being one of them. And so you know, when I play in a league that that isn't doesn't necessarily um, you know have a lot of money involved, 
Uh, those are the leagues that all reach, and I say reach, for a quarterback. Well, I'll draft a quarterback in, let's say, round two or round three or round four. Typically, I don't, I, I wait. I don't like to draft a quarterback until like round seven to me is reaching, eight, nine. That's when I like to get my quarterback. Are you coming in this season with that philosophy, or do you feel like this is the year that, you know, you, you, you want to make sure that you walk away with a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen or a Jalen Hurts? Well, I think in my most competitive leagues, I'm definitely not over like extending for them because it's just year in and year out, unless you're like getting the guy who goes ham, like, and, and every year that's been different. Remember a couple of years ago, it was Lamar Jackson, a couple like, it just changes a lot. So the difference between quarterback two and quarterback eight is typically like something like 15 points, you know, like, so unless you have weird scoring, you know, I'm assuming standard scoring on that. So you really shouldn't reach for it. It's like this like psychological thing where you feel like you have to when there's a run. But I will say I have a few like, you know, like my family leagues and stuff where it's not, you know, it's just for bragging rights where I'd rather want to take like my mom is obsessed with Patrick Mahomes. So like I like to snake it from her just because it's funny. But, you know, at the, at the end of the day, uh, you don't like if, if you're really trying to win and you want to be unbiased, you probably get better value if you wait for your quarterback until, you know, it depends on what other people are doing because the run really does matter. Like if everyone in your league starts to draft them in the ridiculously early rounds and you shouldn't just wait for it to be late, right? Like you, you got you to gotta kind of keep an eye on it. But don't, don't overdraft your quarterback. Don't reach. Don't reach. Yeah, so, so we're on the same page there. A quarterback that, that I really like, and I doubt that he'll still be available in the ninth round, is Lamar Jackson. Todd Munkin coming over. And now being a part of that offense, them drafting Flowers, bringing in Odell Beckham Jr. Um, I, I just I think this is going to be a real special year for Lamar Jackson. The contract thing is behind him. He's making over fifty million dollars a year. They've got a solid offensive line. They're committed to running the football. I'm just I, I'm I'm over the moon in regard to what I think Lamar Jackson is going to be able to do this season. What say you? Yeah, no, I, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be a great season for Lamar Jackson, especially for your fantasy team. I'm not, um, I'm very interested to see, because to me, it actually helps your, this sounds strange, but like, it helps your fantasy team a lot that I don't know what to expect from the Ravens defense. Meaning, you know, usually when you close your eyes and think of the Ravens, like, I just think of Ray Lewis, and I think of T-Sizzle, and like, you are not, you're going to like, the quarterbacks just get eaten by that defense. But at the end of the day, this year, I, I mean, there's there's a lot of questions and then the secondary there's a lot of questions there too apart from you know i love marlon humphrey and i'll i will go to the mat for him but i don't think it's gonna be quite the defense that maybe i'm used to when i think of ravens so that's good for your fantasy team but for the ravens overall it could it it just it's that's my question for that team who's the quarterback that you're hoping if he falls to seven eight nine he's there you're like oh my gosh this is a maze balls. I'm drafting him. You know, I maybe it's because like I really like Justin Fields and want him to succeed. But I also think that like for fantasy purposes, now that we have you know some renewed assets for the wide receiving position and pass catchers, and that it just feels like the O line's getting sorted a bit more, and that the Bears are on the upswing, but also Justin Fields' legs make him so valuable. Like, I mean, obviously I'm assuming that, like, you know, the Josh Allens of the world are completely gone, but I feel like Justin Fields isn't getting enough love, and I certainly feel like I, I think right now Trevor Lawrence isn't getting enough love, but, like, come two weeks from now I think he might be overhyped. But if either of those two were there, I would be pretty excited. 
running back wise, um, I think people are sleeping on Nick Chubb. I, I to to me, I want to draft somewhere in the middle, maybe six seven. Let this run go on these wide receivers. Uh, obviously, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, gone, gone. I think folks are going to take Jonathan Taylor. I'm kind of I'm I'm down on Jonathan Taylor. I just Nick Chubb, no um, Kareem Hunt back there. Um, I think he's going to get the bulk. I think he's just going to get a ton of work this year. I, I love Nick Chubb. Who's the running back that you just absolutely want to have on your roster at the end of the first round or second round? Yeah, I mean, I think Nick Chubb, I think we're talking about it right now. And unfortunately, I think what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to increase the market for Nick Chubb because I, I don't think I think he's going to be three. I think he's going to be right there with those guys that you're talking about, with Christian McCaffrey and with Austin Eckler. But I'm kind of looking at my boy, Ken Walker, the third, Kenneth Walker, the third. You got to hmm. maybe think of uh, remember, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead when she's like, it's not it's not Kenny. It's Kenneth. Anyways, um, mm-hmm. Kenneth Walker, I feel like. I think people are sort of sleeping on the Seahawks in general. I know we saw Geno Smith throw a lot of passes last season. It was a little bit different than what we've seen with Russell Wilson. But Pete Carroll loves to run the air out of the football. And I think with Kenneth Walker, we'll see some of those pass catches. And I think because there's three great receivers there now, Jackson Smith and Jigba, we're going to see a lot more space for the running backs to work with. So he's going to be more efficient, more effective. I just think this guy, and obviously, look, got to give a little Michigan State love there at my hometown. So I, I just think that will be a really good uptick for him in his second season. And last but not least, Matthew Barry, of course, we saw him on the sideline of the Jets Hall of Fame game, and he said his <laughs> ride-or-die player this year is Amon Ross St. Brown, wide receiver for the Detroit Lions. Who is your ride-or-die wide receiver this year that you want on every single one mean- of your fantasy teams? I mean, I, there's got to be a better pun here, but, like, I think I'd take the gamble on and Calvin Ridley, right? Because, you know, I think he has a lot to prove. I think that I told you I didn't know what to make of that Jags defense. I think when you look at a team where you want a lot of points, I think the AFC just in general you're going to want to target someone there. I think he's the number one. Like, this guy, is, this guy has a lot to prove. And when you go back and look at – some of his film, even from college, this guy is a ridiculous route runner. I'm talking like precise, like to the point where like, you're like, wow, like you could clock that thing. You could set your watch by where he's going to be on each route. So I feel like the return of Calvin Ridley is something I feel like I'm going to get a really good deal on him and he'll end up being my, a wide receiver one for me. And I'll be able to get him in an ADP of like, I don't know, wide out two, maybe even like a low wide out two. I hear you. She's Cynthia Freeland. Always the best and, and always great when we have you on, my friend. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your, your weekend. Yeah, thank you. And you know what? You know what happens? We don't have we're, – we're like from now until – I guess we get a little break for Labor Day weekend. But, you know, from now until the Super Bowl, there is football, my friend. <laughs> there is football. Enjoy your visits at camp. Uh, I'm sure you'll crush it on, on the NFL Network. We'll be tuning in. Thank you. Talk to you soon, friend. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. 
Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Also, to get you up to speed on, uh, on the Yankees game, top of the fourth right now, all tied up at one. So Nasty Nestor, he's gone three innings. He's given up one hit, one run, five strikeouts. So not bad. Verlander, three innings, four hits, one run, and three strikeouts. So top of the fourth right now. Astros are up, no outs. And uh, in that Yankees game is 1-1. So uh, we were just asking, you know, who's your, for fantasy, who's your ride or die this season in fantasy? Um, like I said, uh, we, if, if you did tune into the Jets Browns game, uh, Matthew Berry was on and his ride or die this season is Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown wide receiver for the Detroit lions. That's who his ride. That's, that's the one guy he wants on every single one of his fantasy football rosters. Huh? For me, I gotta think about it. Um, I just, I, I'm loving Nick Chubb a lot. You know, I, I think I think the Christian McCaffreys and the Bijan Robinsons of the world, and now that Saquon Barkley is signed and he's in camp, um, Austin Eckler's is a no-brainer, especially in a PPR. They're getting a lot of love. I, I, I just, I, I don't think Nick Chubb is getting enough love. And I think that's why I, I had said to uh, Cynthia, I'm really I I, I want to be I want to be drafting somewhere around like five six seven this year, where I do believe Nick Chubb will still be on the board and still be available. I I think I think in drafts there's going to be a run on wide receivers like Justin Jefferson, uh, Jamar Chase, obviously Tyreek Hill, uh, Cooper Cup, um, if he's healthy, obviously uh, Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey. I'm sure Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen in a lot of leagues are going to go in the first round. So I do believe that you'll be able to get Nick Chubb a little bit later on in rounds. So even if I wouldn't even be surprised if Nick Chubb will be available there somewhere around like eight or nine, that would not shock me based on how I'm seeing like a lot of these mock drafts go and and how there's a lot of love for wide receivers right now. So I'm just throwing that out. Um, So possibly I'd say possibly Nick Chubb also Man, 
I'm, I'm hearing such amazing things about Darren Waller. So at tight end, um, that's, that's the tight end that I'm going to be targeting on a lot of my rosters this season is Darren Waller because I just think the way that he's going to be utilized in this offense with Brian Dable and everything that I'm hearing coming out of camp and, uh, and what's being reported for, uh, he could be a huge risk because he has not been able to stay healthy. He's only played his last 30 games. He's only played in 20 of the last 34. So uh, Jacob Harvey, do you have a ride or die this season? If, if you were to, See, I don't even know if you dudes play fantasy. If you were to play fantasy, do you have a ride or die this season? I don't have a fan. I don't play fantasy. Never will I ever. But if I had to pick a ride or die, that's easy. It's Daniel Jones. Duh. He's going to excel this season. He's going to throw for 25 plus touchdowns, run for like 7 to 10 more, probably throw for 4,000. Come on. What are we doing? Easy money. Easy Daniel money. Jones is going to be, a, but, he's a, he's, but he's a number two quarterback in fantasy. Harvey. So thanks for But he's my number one. Dude. He's my number one in my fantasy you, you and in get, my heart. You get the care package for participating. Jacob, you got a rock die. Uh well when I did play fantasy, I always went wide out. Uh I think I'm gonna stay there. And if I had to choose one, it'll probably be maybe one of the duos and the dual wide receivers in uh Cincinnati, either T. Higgins or Jamar Chase. I do. I think they're gonna get productive. Uh, if it's not one, it's the other. Because I think for sure Jamar is probably gonna get the most attention. So I will go T Higgins. Hmm. Okay. I see how you guys are rolling. Uh, what is your? Who is your ride or die this season? Maybe you don't play fantasy, but if you did, who's the one player you think is just going to absolutely crush it this year? That if you did play fantasy, you would absolutely want on your roster. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.